are here to provide an informative and entertaining method to reach out to our community of Spruce Grove. Our goal is to build connections within our society. If you have any questions or concerns about anything you hear on this podcast, you can email us at sgplpodcast at yrl.ab.ca. home today and I'm nice and warm. Perfect. It is a chilly one this week, isn't it? It really is. I was trying to put my um, key in the door the other day and I had to close my fingers for maybe 30 seconds and when I got in I had to wash them under the hot tap. That's that's a frosty one for sure. I've been good. Cars started all this week. I've been at the library all this week. Been good. So we have an extra special episode today, don't we Simone? All about love. Yay! So we're going to start off with our first new segment of... Whatcha reading? Or watching, or listening, or playing. Uh, For this episode, I'm going to talk about an older movie that I watched, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? And it stars Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton. It was made in 1966 about this couple, George and Martha. They fight all the way through the movie. They're very cutting to each other, and they drink and they have two guests come over for late night drinks to add to the drinks they've already had and it all turns into very revealing very embarrassing for each person how their secrets come out everyone's just blasting everyone else i i loved it just really good acting you know there was no like crazy special effects or over the top stuff it's just richard burton and elizabeth taylor performing the hell out of it i loved it that sounds really exciting. I guarantee you that's another movie that I haven't seen that we've put on our uh, <laughs> list of movies that Courtney hasn't seen that Simone highly recommends. On your blacklist of movies we've never seen. It's getting bigger. It's probably never ending, too. <laughs> Simone always gives me dirty looks whenever um, she starts talking about a movie and I'm just sitting there, like, deer in the headlights, like, I don't know. One day we'll do a whole segment on all the movies that I've seen and that you've never heard of. And then we should have a follow-up to that where I have seen it and then my thoughts and opinions because... <laughs> you have seen it but you didn't like it and I'm just like, what do you mean you didn't like it? Everyone likes that film. And we further divide our friendship even more. <laughs> I mean, I knew the Star Trek and Star Wars was going to be a thing, but now we're just creating that divide. But maybe I won't have heard of what you've been reading or watching. Yes. Uh, reading. I, I'm just on this reading kick. It's been very much uh, my little therapy before bed, like read a hundred pages and then I'm mm-hmm. out. Uh, so not on a love or Valentine's theme at all. I just finished reading uh, Battle Royale by uh, Koshan Takami. Oh, I was trying to read that. It's a quick read. It is like 600 pages, so it's a bit of a beefy book, but you can read it very fast. So Basically, for all of our listeners, I don't know what that book is about. Imagine it's pretty much like where the Hunger Games probably got most of its inspiration from. It's 40 students that have to kill each other on an island, and then the winner gets to live. Basically, the whole premise of it. And it just picks apart at, like, the government and how, like, it's not Japan anymore. It's, like, Republic Empire thing. And they talk about America and they talk about Korea and how they're, like, horrible. But secretly, they're, like, this huge fascist government that basically randomly selects a classroom of 40 students in junior high. So I think they're 15. And you Mm -hmm. just get random weapons and then you get to try to survive on this island. Yeah. The Hunger Games must have been based off that. So I feel like even if she won't come out right and say it, that the Hunger Games had some sort of... Because it's like the same face, but this one's the original and Japanese. They spare no details when it comes to gruesome deaths. I will tell you that right now. So if that's not your jam, wouldn't recommend it for you. Yeah, that's what I just finished reading. Have you seen the movie of it? No, and I know there's a manga slash graphic novel. So no, I haven't watched... Have you watched the movie? No, but that's another one I really want to watch. The movie's probably just as good, but haven't seen it yet. I'm always that person, like, I gotta read the book first, and then maybe the movie, and then roast the movie. Housekeeping! So our staff 
pick carousel has been updated and this month it looks like it's sherry oh a very interesting mix toby keith for listening to the five people you meet in heaven by mitch album that's a really good book called the midwife great show sherry has a really fun mix here so if you're looking for any ideas for what to watch or read or listen to then i would definitely check out the picks on our website definitely got a mixed bag i can't really like pick one thing <laughs> so i'm gonna be like oh she likes comedies or she likes uh, it's everything i know i i love how it's so varied she's got i get a bruce willis action movie and steve mcqueen and then at home with Sarah Styles. I love it. Next on our list, our website got a mini makeover. Yay, don't worry, it's nothing too traumatizing. I'm just going to highlight a few details for our listeners to be aware of. It's mostly to do with the tabs at the top. So we have our About tab, Programs tab, Services tab, our brand new Indigenous tab, and of course our E-Resources tab. I'm just going to highlight a little bit. I'm not going to go into much detail. I highly recommend everyone just check it out at sgpl.ca. So our About tab kind of goes into like our 60th anniversary stuff, a bit about the board, all that kind of fun stuff. Good thing to note about the About tab is now our Suggest an Item is in that tab. From there, you can suggest an item to be purchased. So if there's something that you really, really love and you want the library to purchase it so that you can enjoy it and everyone else can enjoy it, you just fill out the form there. Please note that not everything will be purchased. There are some guidelines on how we purchase items. Tab programs are still the same. Usually our most popular or ones we really want you to know are there. Services kind of extended a little bit. We put our library memberships there. So if you want to get your library card, that's where you want to be. We have resources available now, so that's where all of our kits are. So like our doll kits, sensory kits, bibliotherapy kits, that's all there. Indigenous tab, which is brand new, so there we have our land in treaty acknowledgement. Some excellent resources, some excellent reading lists that will get updated. And of course, it highlights our e-resource, the Prairie Indigenous ebook collection. And then lastly, our e-resource tab, which goes into all 32 of our e-resources. Simone, do you have a favorite e-resource that you like to use? My favorite e-resource is Hoopla. I really like the selection of books, graphic novels. They have lots of really cool movies too. Some award winners, some of the ones that we've done for uh, Real Wednesdays, I've seen on Hoopla. And there's really random stuff you might not think to look for, but then you end up seeing it there and found a great film. I always look there just for social media content. And when they had like, I think it was Blackpink, like Mm -hmm. their music on there to listen to, or like the brand new Taylor Swift, I was like, what? I forgot about that. Yeah, they have really good music on there as well. My favorite, I really like to use Novelist, especially with my job and because I love to read, because I always like to find something new to read. So if I was like, oh, you know what? I really loved Battle Royale. What else is there out there that's very similar to? And it goes into such detail. It's even like, how did you like the flow of the book or the pace of the book or the feelings of the book? Did it make you feel this? And you can go into like just excellent detail. Like, oh, well, you know what? I really like the suspense and the, like the fast pace. And it'll find you books that are um, that exactly what you want. So I highly recommend it for our picky readers that are like, oh, I only like things that, you know, I can predict the ending. I don't like any surprises. You can tell novelists that and it'll find you books. So our next um, housekeeping item, we are going to walk you guys through how the curbside pickup service works, just so that everyone's aware. And when you come to the library, you'll know exactly what you need to do. So there's no surprises and you'll feel happy and comfortable knowing that everything is good in the world. So Simone is going to be our lovely staff member and I am going to be, I'm going to be the nice patron. Spruce Grove Public Library, Simone speaking. How can I help you? Uh, Yes, I am here to pick up my hold. That's great. Are you currently outside the library? Yes, I am sitting in the parking lot right now. Perfect. Okay. I could get your last name, please. Defoe. First name, William. Okay. And how do you spell Defoe? D is in dog. A-F-O-E. Computer's being a little bit slow here. You don't have your library barcode, do you? Actually, I do. Two nine three three five zero zero blah 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 blah. There we are. And if I could just get you to verify your address. I'm at 100 Green Goblin Lane. 100 Green Goblin Lane. Yep, that's what we have. Perfect. Okay. And it's showing you have 10 holes. So I will get those checked out to you, bagged up, and our runner will bring them out in just a couple of minutes. You do ask that you maintain the social distancing of two meters. And when the items come out, they'll be in a cart. Take them off there and you'll be good to go. 
Wonderful. Thank you so much. your receipt will also be in the bag with your due date for the items. Perfect. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Have a nice day. You too. Thank you. Bye. I wish I had his voice. <laughs> <laughs> or his eyebrows, for that matter. He's like, oh my god, you're Willem Dafoe. You're Willem Dafoe. Oh my gosh. That was fun. Super simple. So yes, we do ask for you to be at the library when you call us, just so we can get the items out to you right away. I think that was award-winning performance-worthy. Yeah, we'll, be, we'll probably be hearing from the Academy very soon. Excellent. It's award season, so I'm hoping I get it this time. I don't know if you'll get it or Willem will get it. I'm sure oh, yeah, damn it. Happy. I just helped your career, William Defoe. I hope you're happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he doesn't need my help. I was looking at it. There's some steamy books on there. I was kind of blushing behind the desk because I was doing it for social media for, obviously. <laughs> and I'm like, look at look at all this smolder. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay, hot stuff with Anna. First item on our fabulous list here, we have relaunching Relay D2D Discovery. What's that, you ask? Well, basically, that's the system that we use to order items from all over Alberta. So that was down because of COVID. But now we got notification saying that Relay will be up and running as normal the morning of Thursday, February 11th. Um, this should be happening. So the Edmonton Public Library's Metro Van has resumed pickup and deliveries to the U of A, which is great. I, I heard through the grapevine that U of A wasn't, they are closed for a bit. They were doing some stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So any items your library has held onto for NEOS, which is the fancy catalog that universities use, or U of A can now be returned to U of A via EPO. Additionally, U of A and some other academic targets in Relay are again open to lending, so you can borrow stuff from universities, uh, and these locations will appear in Relay as they resume ILL service. So when you go on to that, um, go on to D2D Discovery, go on to Relay, and uh, you can order books from uh, universities, and it should tell you which ones are available to lend. So that's super exciting because I know some people do love that service. Mm-hmm. That that is that's and it shows that things are starting to get back to normal. Radon screening program kits. YRL is pleased to announce a partnership with the Lung Association, Alberta, and NWT to provide radon screening program kits for circulation. There's currently 14 kits available: the radon detector, instruction book, and survey. So look for yellowhead radon in trap pack to place a halt. It does come with a survey that's either in the kit or online. So we do encourage you to fill that in as well. Okay, next. Now, (laughs) we talked about this because I don't know how I missed it. But if you didn't know, like I didn't know, uh, February is National Library Lovers Month. This is why we're here, to inform. Uh, The Tomahawk Public Library is celebrating this, which is really exciting. So once again, that's the Tomahawk Public Library. To participate, read or be read to for 280 minutes, which seems like a lot, but that's just 10 minutes a day. Um, To be entered into a draw to win Lovable Bernie. Now, what is Lovable Bernie, you ask? Well, I'm glad you did, because we asked the same question. It's this really cute, it looks like a dog that's kind of shaped like a cute. A really cute, cuddly toy. So you can manage to win that. Keep track of your progress, of course, with Beanstack, like we mentioned, which is online, or they have a paper reading log that you can pick up at the library. Uh, the winner will be announced at the end of February. Have any questions? Please contact the Tomahawk Public Library. So you can phone them at 780-731-3729. The 2021 Awards of Excellence nominations now open. You can find more information at sprucegrove.org. To give you a quick uh, summary, each year the City of Spruce Grove holds the Awards of Excellence to recognize outstanding residents making a significant contribution to our community. Nominations are open and may be submitted online. The deadline for submissions is April 30th, so visit sprucegrove.org under Government and there you will find more information and the application form to nominate somebody. Fantastic! Fantastic. Uh, next item we have is the proposed single-use items reduction bylaw receives a second reading. So that's a lot of words. Basically, that means um, any of those single-use items, like plastic bags um, that you get at your checkout and stuff like that, uh, plastic straws. Uh, basically, the city is reevaluating and rereading for a second time to see if we can make this an official bylaw to keep a nice green and reduce the use of single-use plastic which I think is pretty awesome. 
Absolutely, so important. The goal is to reduce the amount of plastic contaminating our environment. So, I mean, Spruce Grove is leading the way in this. I think everyone else should take a chance and follow, because that sounds wonderful. Absolutely. Good job, Spruce Grove. And finally, there is the Pick Me Up program at Parkland County Library. View at pclibraries.ca under Programs. It's a program for adults. Registration is required. And it says here, add some joy to your day with a craft, savor a delectable treat, and soak up some other surprises included in this monthly pick-me-up created for adults. There's a link to register, and the pick-up is mid-month. If you have any questions, you can contact Rena at communitylib at pclibraries.ca. As I say, the program is intended for adults. If you have children or teens, there's also a story time for ages 2 to 6, and Inventors at Home, ages 7, or Teen Lit Loop, for ages 13 to 19. So they are all at the Parktown County Library's website under Programs. So lots of cool stuff to look at there. I love that they have something for every, like all the ages. Like They hit everything. They're like, we'll leave no one left out. Everyone gets a something. Good job, Parkland County. So... For our fan mail segment, we haven't received any official fan mail this month, but I was speaking to my dad, who lives in Portsmouth in the UK. He has just started listening to Behind the Stacks, and he's very impressed. He said he loves all the different subjects that we talk about, our book recommendations, all the information about what's happening in Spruce Grove. He also said that we have very nice voices, and we sound like true professionals. So That hits me right in the heart. <laughs> So that's from my dad, who is 82, a keen user of the internet and social media. He's very cool. I love it. And our next segment, uh, we have the lovely, the fabulous Chelsea Hanna with us today. Hello. So Chelsea, how did you start in the library world? I started as a summer student and I was hired as a summer coordinator for the summer reading club. I had applied for, because there's two positions you guys were hiring for. It was the coordinator and then the coordinator assistant. And I applied for both because I was like, I'm just going to go for either one. And then whichever one I'm going to go for, like maybe something will happen. And then I got the call from Sarah. She was like, yeah, everything checks out. Come in for an interview. I'm like, okay. And then I was in my room just like one day just hanging out and I got a call and Sarah was like talking and talking and talking and I'm like okay is this like a letdown phone like call and then she was just very casually like oh yeah and then like would you like to come work and I'm like yeah and we are so happy to have you here yeah and then I did that for two summers and now I have a front desk position super awesome oh that's so wonderful um and how long have you worked in the library industry um, not super long. I started working the summer of 2018 and then the summer of 2019 and then my clerk position at the end of the summer at the end of the 2019 summer. If we combine the two summers a month together, that would be one whole year and then another year and then I'll be going into my third year. But if not, a year and a few months. Awesome. So what is your favorite or most memorable moment or story about working in the library world? I actually have two. I tell everyone this story. I think it's the funniest thing I've ever seen happen at the library. And then the other one is something that happened super recently and it like warms my heart. So the super funny one is I was sitting at the front desk and I was more towards like where the where the children's area was. So I was kind of sitting over there. We have this um, this patron who comes in with a young child quite frequently. Like we kind of all know them. They don't come in a lot, but they don't like not come in. So, but we know them. They just kind of let the child go into the children's area and let them play. And we all love her. She is like happiness and chaos combined. And watching her is just like watching a comedy show, but for children, because you don't know what she's going to do next. One day, this other mom comes in with their child and sends them into the children's area while they go and they kind of like grab whatever they need from the hold shelf, send them in there for a little bit to have fun. And they latch on to the child coming in and then they go and they play. And then the mom comes back and she's like, okay, see, let's go. And the other child comes back out and her hair is now a little bit frazzled and kind of sticking up in places. She just kind of walks to her mom and her eyes are so big and she just goes, mom, 
there's a scary friend in there. And I, I had to kind of turn around. So I wasn't going to be like losing myself laughing because I thought it was the funniest thing anyone has ever said. And it, I think it's also ingenious the way that that little girl has been like raised to be like, that's a scary friend, not a scary person, not a scary other person, but a scary friend. And I just love the way that it was worded. And she was just like so shocked because she had played with this, this, this chaos, chaotic, happy other, other child. I just, I loved it so much. It was so funny. It's like the poor kid got off a roller coaster and it's just like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> like the first time they rode a roller coaster and they're like, before they go on like the first day of kindergarten where they're sent out and they have like a little bow in their hair and their hair and their socks are all up their knees and they come home and they're just like completely frazzled their sock is down their hair is out now out of one ponytail the bow is gone <laughs> I I love I love telling that story so much because I, I know I can't say the scary friend part the way that she had said it but I try so hard because it's so funny like the expression I always try and like do it obviously I can't do it now because we're on the audio but still that's hilarious and you have another um recent story you wanted to share right so when I when I first started working in the clerk position um I ended up helping a patron and they typically come in for a family member of theirs who can't really go out and they were trying to get them to read a different genre and so they asked me if I could recommend anything and I remember being so excited to recommend just some books for them and they some of them we didn't have some of them we did um so whatever ones we didn't have we put them on hold for them and it came in eventually and they ended up getting all the books that they needed and they brought them home and then I think it was it was a couple weeks later because they don't come in frequently they wait till they have like those stack of holes and then they come and they pick them up and then take them home because it's quite efficient you can't just come back every single day I mean you could but they didn't want to and they came back and there was my family member loved what you recommended do you have any more do you have any more to recommend and that's been going on since like the later 2019 like that's been going on for a while where I've just been recommending books I even have a list now that's very specific for the family member to, to like recommend and then they can check out and bring to them. And so we've been doing curbside pickup and they came by really, like really recently. And I wasn't the, I wasn't the runner. So I went to the window and I was waving and then they were standing far back. So I opened the door and we started chatting and they were just talking about how they still like love the books, even after all this time, like that I'm still recommending these books and they're still loving them. And that now my name is a household name in their, like in their family. Like whenever someone's like, Hey, so-and-so. And then it's like, Oh yeah, her from the library. Like they know exactly who I am. But then they told me that the, the relative during that whole time that I was recommending books to them was going through chemo and that me doing that and getting excited about that and finding things really, really helped them through that process in like my own way, like not even being directly involving in that, being directly involved in that situation, just by doing that and getting these books and things for them made them feel less lonely and more entertained. Like they weren't as, when they had those items, they knew it was coming from someone who was really excited to share them. And I think that was just so heartwarming and so beautiful. And it really just made me, it just solidified how happy I am to be working here and to be being able to do that. Because you, 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 don't, you don't know how you influence people's lives outside of the library doors. You don't know. So it's sometimes really nice to hear stuff about that. It's such a touching story. Oh my goodness. It just proves how important libraries are. Especially with like relationships, especially now. My goodness, but even with curbside pickup, having that small conversation, small human contact, even if you're six feet apart or on the phone, really, really helps. Absolutely. Got a few more questions left. So what do you usually do? What's your day-to-day -day activities and responsibilities here at the library? Uh, like I said before, I am working at, at the front desk as a clerk. So I do the checking out of the items and answering the phone and put the holes on the hold shelf because it gets filled out from the background cart. So I alphabeticalize those and I put them on the shelf and we're doing a lot of like cleaning and just things like that. 
I'm also a runner because we're doing curbside pickup. So if anyone doesn't know what a runner is, it's I'm literally donning a vest and bringing your items out to you on a cart. So when the front desk is done checking out those items, but we put them in a bag or we rubber band them together. We I go outside, put the cart, and then I step six feet back and then people grab the item and then I grab the cart and go back inside through the door, making sure the door is locked behind me. On Thursdays, I we usually do programming so I usually sit in a room like this and I'm doing other kind of tasks so for example I do the community craft I, I make the crafts so I, I'm given all the supplies and I just spend all those hours just making them and I go overtime sometimes if I have to or do it the next Thursday and I also help run the library TikTok. Frequently on, on Thursdays, we run around the library with a, a cell phone and an idea for what we want to film and we film that. If anyone is listening and you've kind of seen two people with a phone running around with weird music and stacks of books, just kind of going throughout the library or even finding us sitting on the floor, throwing a book in front of like a camera and holding it there. I apologize, we are filming TikTok and we're doing really, really quite well. Um, but for day-to-day -day activities, I usually start by greeting everybody and making a hot beverage because you need a hot beverage when it's cold out. And then usually I just sit at my desk and go for it and make people happy. Oh, that's so wonderful. What is your favorite go-to hot beverage? Oh goodness. It, it changes all the time, but for some, for some strange reason, I've never been a huge chai person, but lately on a whim, I was at Safeway and there's that little tiny, um, like Starbucks kind of kiosk there. And I had bought like a little drinking container for like hot beverages so I can bring it to work. And it black so it worked really well and I saw that they had this Tivana like chai kind of tea and I was like oh smells good let me try it so I took it home and now I can't stop drinking it throw the bag in there put a little creamer in there and I'm I'm set and I absolutely love drinking it now you want me now I want to drink it and all I have is water yeah it's like I really I'm gonna go home now and I'm gonna have chai tea with all that stuff and I have so much other tea. Like I love Earl Grey, but the decaffeinated version, I don't know what it is, but the decaffeinated version tastes just so different from the caffeinated version. And I don't like the caffeinated version. I have to have the decaf and I don't know why it just tastes like, I, I tell everyone to try it at least. Some people like it, but then people go, I don't like Earl Grey. And I go, okay. Well, I can tell you right tea. now, uh, Simone would also agree with your uh, team tea for sure. So, <laughs> well, I mean, it is her name. Those are, those are my main beverages and everyone can go for a hot chocolate. Last question for you. Uh, what advice would you give to people looking to get into um, for like a career in the library world? I guess the advice I'd have to give is something that was like, that happened to me is that if you don't have a degree in library sciences or you don't go into a specific program to work at a library, it doesn't mean you can't do it because I was hired for the summer reading club because I was in school for my education degree and I did that for two summers and I just I built the relationships that I did and I had the initiative to learn everything that I could and it just seemed like it just seemed like a nice fit and I hated leaving at the end of the summer and that second summer I was so sad I didn't want to go so sometimes I just I would just tell people just to shoot your shot because you will never know what could happen if you don't do it. So even, even if someone is like, this is like a preferred thing, just do it anyway. Even in an interview, like you could answer a question so right and they could just feel a connection. It just depends on the person. Yes, a few requirements to be able to do stuff, but you just, you don't know until you go and do it. And had I never applied for that summer job, I wouldn't be where I am today or who I am today because of the people that I work with and the experiences that I've had here. So just shoot your shot, go for it. It's the only advice I can give. Well, thank you very much for your beautiful answers, Chelsea. Uh, now we're going to get into kind of our theme of this uh, podcast episode and talk about romance novels. And we're going to let, our, yeah, we're going to let our special guests go first. Chelsea, tell us all about your knowledge and expertise regarding romance novels. Well, as you know, I've been reading lots of romance recently, and I've compiled just a list from the last however long of romance that I would recommend. So things, these are kind of romance novels that I would recommend in different kind of categories. So do you want to start with the contemporary romance? Yeah, let's go for it. So there is 
Bonnie and Stan by Anna Stewart if you're looking more for like an older like older characters in their 70s this is a super super sweet story of people kind of around that age and it flashes back to their life when they were younger so you can kind of see how they progress to the way they are now and it flashes back and forth in between so you're guessing about kind of what's going to happen but you know they end up in the end and it's super sweet there is in five years by Rebecca Searle this book threw me for a loop because there's a plot twist and I won't say anything more about it but you need to read it uh, Beach Read by Emily Henry there's a cocktail series by Alice Clayton, the first one being Wallbanger, which we have at the Spruce Grove Library because I took those ones out. Um, if you're looking more for a fun read with plenty of humor, witty banter, and a cat named Clive, these books are for you. And the rest of the series are also stories about other people, but they all connect together. But the first book has another little novella later that where you can kind of catch up on what they've been doing and things like that. There's Tangled by Emma Chase. And it's the first book in the Tangled series, which is also here at the library. I've only read the first one. But if you're upset about how women are portrayed sometimes in romance when they're written by men, I would recommend this book because this book is in the point of view of a man when it's written by a woman author. And he is absolutely ridiculous. And it is so funny because she like switch, she does that switch on the misogynistic idea of women in romance novels, she just does that switch and turns it from a man, from man's perspective. And it's so funny because you just have to find the humor in it. And then this next one is so extremely underrated. I want everyone to read this book. It is not well known at all, but I fell in love with the story and the characters and everything that happened. I was, I was frustrated and anxious and bizarrely happy all at the same time throughout the entire novel. And it's Someday in Paris by Olivia Lara. Courtney, you need to read this book too. And then there's The Flat Share by Beth O'Leary. And everyone needs to read this book as well. It's, it has such a strong growth of character in it. And you're just, you're rooting for them the whole time. And that's the end of Contemporary. For me. Awesome. And you have other themes, right? Did you want to continue? Yeah, I've got historical romance, fantasy, and then young adults. So I just got three more. Perfect. Let's get so in. So for historical, we have the Winter Night Trilogy by Catherine Arden, the first being The Bear and the Nightingale. It's a super popular series right now. Um, but I placed it in historical, even though it is quite fictional, because it is set in the Russian wilderness and Moscow, kind of before Moscow was this really big powerful city is still quite small they had a i guess a king but it's um with elements of russian myth and legends and the romance is more closely like it's more in the second and the third book and like intensely in the third book but i would still throw it in here and then for the other historical romance it's water for elephants by sarah gruen that one's also very very good um then we'll move on to fantasy so there's the Bargainer series by Laura Thalassa. The first book is Rhapsodic. It's a very graphic series. So if you're looking for a little bit more graphic spice, if you're into spicy romance, that would be good as well. There's two books by Naomi Novik, Uprooted and Spinning Silver. It's more fantastical kind of legendary romance in there. Crescent City, House of, Blood and Earth, uh, of Earth and Blood by Sarah G. Moss. Only the first book is out right now. The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue by V.E. Schwab. Very good. The Priori of the Orange Tree by Samantha Shannon. It's a very big book. So if you're looking for a thick read and a long read, this one is perfect for you. It's high fantasy. So it has dragons and magic in it. And there's also an LGBTQ romance in the novel as well, because it does have multiple perspectives of different characters. There is the Black Dagger Brotherhood series by J.R. Ward, the first being Dark Lover. So each book follows a different male and female character in different, in separate points of view throughout the books. You get both kind of their thoughts and their actions and things. And then other known characters throughout the series also kind of have a point of view if it's very important for them to kind of have a place. And that one includes vampires, but not in the way that you would think that vampires would kind of it's, it's definitely not a Twilight novel, let me just say that. <laughs> definitely not Twilight. And then the last one is Young Adult, so YA romance. If you're looking for teenagers or like even just adults who need to read something that's younger, there is the Imperium Trilogy by Claire Legrand. 
The first uh, is called Furyborn. We actually have all three here at the Spruce Grove Library. That's how I actually discovered them is I read them here. Um, the last book, the books do have a lot of spice in them, which is good for a lot of people. Then there's East by Edith Pateau. Um, and there is a second book called West. We don't, we don't have it, but you can order it through track. But you can, if you want to, you only have to read the first book because it has a very happy ending with, and it kind of ends how you want it. And then the second book is just like, but if they had a, this, then they could go on to this. And then one of my all-time favorite books is Strange the Dreamer by Lilani Taylor. The second is Amusing Nightmares. But I found that there was more romance in the first book because there was the buildup of the romance and there was a mystery and it was, oh, it was perfect. But that's kind of the end of those kind of categories and what I've kind of read. And then I just have my top six romance novels. If you're interested in that, Courtney. Yes, please do. Please share. Okay. I've got my top six. There's The Flasher by Beth O'Leary. Just read it. In Five Years by Rebecca Searle. Someday in Paris by Olivia Cara, which I've gone into detail about. The Winter of the Witch by Catherine Arden, which is the third book in the Winter Night Trilogy, which was a part of that Russian historical romance. Then there's one I haven't mentioned because it's a comic book and it's by Katana Chetwin's comics. So she's released three, Little Moments of Love in 2018, Snug in 2020, and she actually just released her third one in Love and Pajamas on February 2nd. And it's just comics of her with her boyfriend and their dog and like little conversations that they've had so I, I love reading those I would say that it's a romance because it's about love and about their relationship and then the last one is Lover Awakened by J.R. Ward so it's actually the third book in the in the Black Dagger Brotherhood I couldn't put it down could not would not don't make me and I just I can't get those characters out of my head and that whole plot line out of my head you do have to read the second book to kind of get what's going on in the third book though Wow, that's quite an awesome list. Thank you so much, Chelsea. Well, you know, I did the research for you, Courtney. I know, I know. As soon as I asked if you wanted to be on the show, you just took it and ran with it. You're like, absolutely. You were like, well, you could be on the Valentine's. And I'm like, I'll read romance. Let's go. <laughs> I hope we didn't torture you with too much romance. Honestly, you know what? There was a few in there that I, obviously not on my list, that I wasn't fans of, but I actually really found my niche for romance novels and now there's no there's no way I'm leaving it so this was really a good thing because I'm usually it's just a, a fantasy person but now I'm like ooh, could dabble over here a little bit just need like a cleansing of the palate kind of book and then now I'm just I'm in it I'm in it you're in deep <laughs> I'm in way too deep I've got a list of books that I'm like and here's a romance and I'm going to order these in a little bit but after I finish this book but they're on their way and they're coming uh, well, thank you again, Chelsea, and thank you for being part of our show. Thanks for having me and asking me if I want to do it, which I really did. Of course, and we'll make sure to have you back for another awesome theme. We're going to talk a little bit about, uh, very quickly here, some of our favorite romance novels and or books, movies, TV shows, music, or video games. I would like to talk about two of my favorite romance movies. They are The Notebook and P.S. I Love You. Both films make me cry, sobbing through a whole box of Kleenex crying. Yes, I Love You is about a woman whose uh, partner dies, and then she finds notes from him that he's left her to kind of help her carry on. She meets a few people and doesn't really work out, and she misses him so much. And it's just the, the way they explore like, grieving for your loved one and trying to move on from that. Still have their memory, but be able to find happiness again with someone else and there's a part in it where she's talking to her mum and she's just saying how much she misses him and she starts crying and that bit losing someone is so hard and very it's a very honest display of that and the notebook I'm pretty sure everyone knows what the notebook's about the notebook has Ryan Gosling and Rachel McAdams and they're two lovers who've been separated by different circumstances and by fate. They meet many many years later and it's very sweet, very sad and it's just a, a beautiful story. Both movies are based on books, The Notebook by Nicholas Sparks and P.S. I Love You by Cecilia Ahan. So Chelsea, what are your favourites? I'm going to pick a very steamy uh, book that I read recently because most of my favorite books and movies and games that I do love are not romantic at all. 
this is the one that I picked. It's uh, it is steamy, but of course I didn't know it was steamy. But then I was like, oh, oh lord, I was blushing like a you know a Sunday bride. I was just like, oh my goodness. It's called Touch of Darkness by Scarlet Saint Clair. Um, it is the first in a series. I believe she has three. Kind of a twist about this one is that it is self-published. We do have a copy at the library. Yeah, I know. I was kind of like, oh, Fifty Shades of Grey thing on and all over again. Kinda. I mean. At the beginning, so basically, let's get into what it's about. It's kind of a retelling of, like, um, Hades and Persephone, but with, like, the modern twist. So they're not, like, you know, there's, like, vehicles, there's fast food, there's all that stuff. So it's a modern twist of the love story between Hades and Persephone, which, if you don't know, are Greek gods. Um, and it got, like, re- like the last, like, hundreds-ish pages were just steamy. Like, there's no other way to describe it. I Like I said, I was blushing while I was reading it because I was just like, oh my goodness. <laughs> and this did not stop. Like, it just kept going. Just when you think you're like, okay, they had their moment. They're good. Let's move on. Then you flip the page. You're like, nope, let's still keep going. It just, it's relentless. But I highly recommend it. I want to read the other two. Hopefully we purchase the other two. I think we have one as an ebook. So book two is A Touch of Ruin. And then mm-hmm. I think they said book three. Well, for sure, the second one is A Touch of Ruin. <laughs> But yeah, very steamy. If you like Greek gods, modern twists, and lots of forbidden loves, I, I highly recommend. And the cover is so gorgeous. I think that's what struck me because I saw it on the Instagram and I was like, whoa, this is pretty. This is like right up my alley. And as soon as I heard it was about Greek gods, I'm like, oh, yep. And, this, and the, the forbidden romance and the, the wet and wild scenes came later. That was just kind of a bonus. I had no idea. Speaking of romance novels, but not as we are thrilled to introduce our very special guest harlequin best-selling author patricia johns hello hello how are you today i'm good thank you for having me thank you so much for being on the show and being on our valentine's show it's wonderful so i have a lot of questions for you and i'm very excited about this because we've been friends for a few years now haven't we Yes, we have. Through our mutual love of Star Trek, I believe. That's how it all began. <laughs> it is. All good things start with Star Trek. That's right. But today we are going to be talking about your career as an author. I'm just looking at your website here. Very nice picture of you, by the way. <laughs> so, Publishers Weekly, best-selling romance author for Harlequin's love-inspired and heartwarming lines, as well as for Kensington Books. Yes. So the love-inspired line, how is that different from general Harlequin? Well, love-inspired is the inspirational line. So the stories are Christian and sweet. Um, Sweet is the word we use for meaning um, the heat level in a romance novel. (laughs) Um, It's the ones that um, end in a kiss and a proposal and they don't go beyond that. So that's what makes them a little bit different. And mm-hmm. I've been writing Amish romance for them for a little bit. Before that, it was cowboys. It was big on the cowboys. But now I've moved into Amish. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of fun. So oh, I'm also great. writing Amish for Kensington books. So I'm doing Amish for both Love Inspired and for Kensington. Mm-hmm. And a lot of Amish. And that's a lot of fun. That's great. Okay. Well, I know you're very busy. So let's get right into the questions here. When did you first realize you wanted to be a writer? Oh, I was a little girl. I was very young. I remember I watched a movie and I said, I'm going to write the book of the movie. And it ended up being about three paragraphs long. And I was very proud of it. (laughs) And ever after, I just liked to write stories and I had a lot of fun with it. And it never, never really stopped. Ever, Ever after that, my game plan was always, how can I make a living? And write books as well so my job plans kept on changing because I kept on looking for things that gave me more writing time how long does it take you to write a book well because I'm writing full-time it takes about two months I'm very focused I'm very unavailable during the days Mm -hmm. (laughs) because of my focus (laughs) So I I treat it like a full-time job and just like anybody else who would be really focused for their eight to nine hours a day, that's what I do. And so it takes me about two months um, from start to finish for one book. How do you come up with the ideas? Are you sent some suggestions or do you just come up with them from scratch? 
Well, I come up with them from scratch. I obviously have some parameters I have to work within. Like, for example, if I'm writing Amish, there's just certain things that are available to you and certain things that are not available right. to you. I honestly, I don't know where my ideas come from. They just pop into my head and I think, ooh, I can make that work. And I talk to my husband about it and he just looks at me blankly while I jabber on and then I write it down. <laughs> what would you say is your interesting writing quirk? I don't think I have any. And maybe that's something that's interesting mm -hmm. just because I'm so business about it. Like I have a certain amount I have to get done and it has to be done in a certain amount of time. I have signed on, I've signed contracts. I've got editors waiting for me. It has to be done. Mm -hmm. um, I don't really have time for shenanigans. And I think that takes away any quirkiness. <laughs> I sit down and I have, and if I had a little more time, I think I might develop something cute and quirky. How did you get your book published? How did, how did that all happen? Well, I start when I was a young woman, I was writing articles for magazines. And then I moved into um, some Christian historical fiction. And then from there, I realized there was just no money in it. <laughs> <laughs> I needed to figure out how to make this pay a little better. And I thought I would love to write romance. And I just threw myself into it. And I wrote one and I sent it into Harlequin. At first they accepted it, but it didn't make it past the marketing team. There was some stuff in it that um, they thought wouldn't sell quite as well. And they nixed the book, but they thought that the writing quality was fine. So I wrote mm -hmm. another one and sent it in and they took that one and then Ever since then, I've just been rolling with doing romance and I'm really enjoying it. It's a lot of fun. How long ago was that when you sent in your first? I think my first one came out in 2013. First, um, my first Love Inspired came out. The first one was His Unexpected Family. And um, that one came out in 2013. And I just sort of kept rolling from there. And I was always looking for more ways to write more books within Harlequin, which is how I got into heartwarming as well. I also mm -hmm. wrote some Western ones and I just kept going Western shut down. And then I moved on to add Kensington into the mix. So I just kept going because I needed to write more books in order to make it into a full-time job. Yeah. So I just kept sort of snowballing different places I could write romance for. Is it as much fun as it was at the beginning writing? Do you yes. still... It's even oh. more fun. Oh, wonderful. You know, why? you know why it's fun? Why? Because when you're getting published and you know that people are actually going to read the stories mm. and you can, you, you know sort of how things work a little bit better. It's not quite so hard to write each one. You're not slogging through trying to figure things out. You yeah. know how it works. More opportunities come available that are neat and exciting, like this, like doing a podcast with my buddy, which wouldn't have happened before because no. you're a librarian and I wouldn't have. Yeah. So it's just lots of new things come up. It just gets more and more fun. I couldn't have picked a better job for myself. It's That's fun. wonderful. I'm so glad. Yeah. So what is your writing process like? Well, like I said, I'm very businesslike with it. So when, the first thing I ever do is write an outline for my story. Mm -hmm. I know exactly what happens in every single chapter before I sit down to start writing. And that's okay. important because I got I have to get the book written in a set amount of time. Mm -hmm. And I don't have time to sit and think and go back and erase a chapter and start, you know, I don't have that creative time in the okay. writing process. I have to plan it first. Mm -hmm. So I know everything that happens start to finish before I start writing in every single chapter. Mm -hmm. Then I sit down and I write it. Um, in there, I'm normally getting sent edits from different editors for different books. So I have to stop my writing do the edits, send those back in, come back to my writing. And I just keep doing that until the book is done. I let it sit for a week or so. And then I, I go back to revise it to make it as good as I can make it. Mm -hmm. Still getting edits from other editors. <laughs> and about the two month mark, I've got it polished up, ready to go. I send that into my agent. And the very next day, and I'm not joking, the very next day, I'm starting on my next book with planning what happens in every single chapter. How many edits are you doing while you're working on a new book? Oh, uh, well, every book you have, a few, the first um, revisions come from the editor. Then after you've sort of got the book 
the way she wants it to look. Mm -hmm. um, they then send it off to another editor who will go through and do line edits. Sometimes line edits and copy edits happen at the same time. Sometimes it's two different stages, but line edits are a closer look at what you're writing and, okay. and suggestions to make it better. Copy mm -hmm. edits are even closer still. It's typos and commas and we use the wrong name here. Um, there's other editors also who will swing through the, the manuscript and, and try to pick up anything else the rest of us have oh, missed. Wow. So there's a few stages. And by the time that you finally get that book, if you find a mistake in it, there's about five of us going, oh, <laughs> <laughs> we all went through it again and again until we were cross-eyed. So there's quite a few processes there. Yeah. I didn't realize it went through so many stages. Oh, yes. There, and there's a lot of different professionals who are working on it to make it as good as it can be. It's very much a group effort. If it was just my first draft, it wouldn't shine it, as nicely as it does after so many professionals have gotten their hands on it and sent it back. And mm -hmm. so it's, yeah, it's quite a process. What advice do you have for writers? I think you just need to be persistent. I saw a, um, a quote by Stephen King where he said that talent is as common as table salt. <laughs> and um, he said, the difference is, is, the, is the hard work that you put in. Mm -hmm. And um, most people look at that and they go, oh, it takes an incredible amount of hard work. And that's not a lie. That's true. But the thing that I get from that is that talent is literally as common as table salt. Like, there's a lot of incredibly talented people out mm -hmm. there and they don't know that they have what it takes. They think, well, I like to write, but oh, I'm probably not good enough. And they back away from it. And they think that because they don't have the confidence to go forward with it. Mm -hmm. But if you knew you had the talent of Stephen King, would you finish the book? Mm -hmm. Right? Absolutely. Like if you knew I have the same raw potential that Stephen yeah. King had, the exact same amount, mm -hmm. would you go forward? Definitely. There's a lot more talent out there than people realize. It's, it's all over the place. It's just a matter of recognizing that you have something that you can do and pushing forward. So I would so, say just do it. You like it, do it. There's mm -hmm. no reason why you can't succeed. And there's no reason why you don't have the exact same raw potential as Stephen King. Mm -hmm. So there's really all this untapped potential out there, all these amazing authors that... I'm convinced of it. The yeah. voices haven't been heard. I think so. That's an exciting thought. Have you ever gotten writer's block? I don't have time for writer's block. <laughs> 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 That's where outlines come in. <laughs> I know exactly what's going to happen in the, in the next chapter. I know exactly what has to happen. Mm -hmm. I might not feel terribly inspired. I might not want to sit down and write it, but it has to get done that day. And so I sit down and I do it and I might grumble and I might be grumpy about it, but I get it done. And you know what? By yeah. the time I'm done writing the rough draft and mm -hmm. editing it, you wouldn't be able to know which parts I was grumpy over and which parts I was totally inspired for. Mm -hmm. and especially after those five professionals get them their hands on that manuscript, you'll never know. So they it's just it up. getting it done. What's your favorite underappreciated novel? A Diary of a Nobody by George and Whedon Grossmith. It's one I actually hadn't read and um, I bought it at the bookstore just because I saw it and I thought, oh, and so I picked it up. And I read it and I loved it. And I got my son to read it because I'm making him read classics and mm -hmm. um, <laughs> he suffers. So uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure he loves that. <laughs> he actually has learned to appreciate some. He's like, he's a little writer too. So I was like, you're going to read a few classics. So anyways, oh, he so read it and he really enjoyed it too. It's just a funny book. It's this little peek into Victorian life that is funny and quirky and it's so human. And you don't normally get that as, that peek into it. I just like it. And it's one I had never heard of before, even with an English degree, I hadn't heard of it before. So when was it published? Oh, let me see. When was it first published? Doesn't say here. I think in the 1800s. I'm trying to look for a... Oh, so it actually was yeah. published in Victorian times. Yeah. They say in the 1890s or something. It was turned into a book in 1892. There we go. 1892. So yeah, in the Victorian times, it's just, just really neat little it's, it's just it's a small book but it makes me happy I read mm -hmm. it and I went, oh <laughs> and it made me happy it has made me it's just one of those books that just sort of cheers you up what uh is your favorite book from childhood I think the secret garden my mom used to real she used to read us all sorts of books when we were mm -hmm. kids and um 
we never had much TV. I think if we had more TV, we would have read less, but (laughs) (laughs) she would sit with us on the couch and she would read to us a chapter at a time. And we read the secret garden together. Mm -hmm. And that's why it really stuck. I really enjoyed that one. That is a good book. Yeah. If you could tell your younger writing self anything, what would it be? Tell her to check out Amish romance. It pays better. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? (laughs) <laughs> I, the, the whole struggling process, I think, was good for me. It formed character. Yeah. Taught me about hard work. And if you really want this, you're really going to work for it. Mm-hmm. So I think that the, all those struggling days were were good for me. And had I known um, there was this whole, you know, genre of romance, it was doing really well that I would do pretty well with. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have gone for it sooner. And I probably would have been a lot more successful at this point had I, you know, hit that market sooner. But I like to think that I wouldn't have quite the level of character. So there you go. (laughs) So it it was worth taking that journey, everything you went through. Well, I would like to think it is because I can't change it. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Yeah. I I prefer to think that it was a wonderful character building experience and I am a better person for it. (laughs) Absolutely. No, I agree 100%. choosing that perspective (laughs) it's a very healthy perspective what is the most difficult part of your artistic process I think that is quite solitary um I'm a pretty introverted person so I'm quite happy sitting for hours alone by myself Mm -hmm. but um it's not always great for your mental health (laughs) like just that constant sitting by yourself And then you're like, oh, maybe I'll just check what's on the news. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then you're alone with those horrors. (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) Right? So I think that that's probably, um, I think if you have an office job or something, you have people around you, you sort of are reminded there's humanity out there and they're quite Mm -hmm. nice (laughs) over there by the water fountain. (laughs) Yeah. When you sit by yourself a lot, just working on your own stuff, I think it's easy to get... um, to get a little tangled up and like, oh my goodness, the this awful stuff on the news that's scary and overwhelming. And, yeah, like talk yeah. about Stephen King. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, what's the best way to market your books, would you say? Oh, that's hard. <laughs> Marketing is not my strong suit. I don't think it's any author's strong suit. When one sits alone a lot, <laughs> she's not very good at marketing herself. <laughs> I thought you'd come up with all these ideas. Uh, yeah, I think, well, so far, I've been doing a lot of giveaways on my Facebook page. So at Patricia John's Romance on Facebook, if you come by and give me a like, I do a ton of giveaways. Um, I'm finding that helps a lot because it just, it's, um, people love free books. It helps mm-hmm. get my name out there. It helps me connect with other authors who are writing similar things. We also we promote together. Um, so I think that that that's probably the thing that's most helpful to me right now. But I'm sure that there's marketing experts out there who could fix me. (laughs) Help me to do this better than I do. (laughs) I think you're doing fine. You're very welcoming on your Facebook page, very interactive. It's it's really nice. Again, I sit alone a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, someone to talk to, yay. Um, what was an early experience where you learned that language had power? Uh, well, the actual power of language, I think I learned in about the seventh grade. Um, eighth grade? I don't know. Somewhere around seven or eight or grade eight. I had, um, there were some boys in the class who had oh. hit puberty and were quite interested. And one was pretty physical and for some reason, the teachers just wouldn't tell them to back off. Mm-hmm. Perhaps it's because I was a girl who would laugh when I was uncomfortable mm-hmm. and I would just, ha, 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 and they thought I liked it. I don't know, but I couldn't get this boy to leave me alone and he just wouldn't back off. And I came out with a string of creative profanity. <laughs> it was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> 
just so angry and it just came out and it just shocked the entire class. The boy went, ooh, and backed off. And nice. She was aghast. And I was immediately sent to the principal's office. And I was, they were just horrified with me. And it was just awful. They called my parents. It was that bad. Wow. <laughs> they called my parents. And my dad said, oh, really? So there was a boy who was manhandling my daughter to the point that she had to tell him to back off. Really? And he backed me up. He was furious that I even had to get to that point. He backed me up completely. Mm -hmm. And that was when I learned that like, you can put an entire room back on their heels if you say the right thing. <laughs> it was effective and it got the point across and the boy left me alone. That's great. Yeah, it's so weird how the oh, he's hitting you because he likes you. Thing. Yeah, and it was it was a uh, kind of that old fashioned view, and I think I think there was just sort of like the teachers didn't deal with it very well um, these days. I don't think that would ever happen in a classroom, no. and no one would get away with that these days. Oh no, um, not at all. back then it was a little Christian school, so mm -hmm. I think they might have had even more old fashioned views than than even the public schools did at the time. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so I I had to. And that's also probably why everyone was so deeply aghast by the, the beauty and creativity of my profanity. <laughs> the little Paddy just shocked them all. That's right. They didn't even know I knew those words. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> How many hours a day do you write? Well, are you talking fingers to keyboard or a writing process? Uh, both. <laughs> okay, fingers to keyboard. Um, probably about three or four hours a day writing process like there's other things I do like you say like I, I keep up with um, fans on social media um, I'm doing some you know self-marketing stuff I've got to keep a website going um, I'm preparing things for you know upcoming stuff that's another you know takes up quite a bit of time as well mm -hmm. so I would think fingers to keyboard probably three or four hours and then of course there's wall staring very important part of the process is just sitting there and staring at a wall <laughs> What do you think? Because you have to get it straight in your head. <laughs> While staring slash doing the dishes and cleaning the bathroom, that all sort of comes together. So <laughs> glamorous. Very, very glamorous. Yeah. Then you steel or something. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> What's your favorite season to write in? I think I know the answer, but. Definitely winter. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's cold, it's cozy inside, it's nice to be indoors. And mm -hmm. so Alberta is a great place for a writing career because there's not a lot. If you don't feel like going outside in the cold, and I don't, um, there's not a much else to do. So <laughs> it, keeps me, it keeps me nicely focused for all those long, cold months. What is your favorite genre to read and why? I like historical fiction. Oh. Yeah. Um, I love reading um, historical fiction about like Queen Elizabeth I or Queen Victoria or um, things happening in like the British monarchy way back when. Oh yes, shocking <laughs> it's things. Just, it's so dramatic and, mm -hmm. and everyone's so locked into their roles with no wiggle room and <laughs> such passion and beheadings and it's just great. <laughs> Yeah, and it will simmers underneath and then that's right and it takes so much research like to write I don't I wouldn't want to write them be, just because the amount of research I would have to start from scratch it would be crazy mm -hmm. but I so appreciate the people who write it because they've done the research and I get to just enjoy it <laughs> <laughs> are there any fellow authors that you'd like to give a shout out to well now I'm gonna pull blanks because I wasn't prepared for this one. <laughs> oh, sorry. I can edit. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Patricia Davids is a as a um, Amish author who's just been incredibly kind to me. Um, she's been doing this longer than I have, and she is just the most gracious author on the planet she's she's teamed up with me for giveaways and I have to tell you I don't think it benefits her at all it just benefits me <laughs> I'm the newer one and she is just so kind and so gracious so check out her books if you like Amish romance she mm -hmm. is phenomenal she's one of the queens in Harlequin writing Amish she also writes for um, HQN as well doing Amish romance as well and she's just really really good so um, Patricia Davids if she happens to hear this hello <laughs> <laughs> who 
is the most supportive person in your life when it comes to your writing? My husband. He's, yeah, he's the one who um, keeps on, (laughs) he he keeps encouraging me and he keeps on saying, oh, if you get a major book deal, here's what we can do with the money. he's um yeah he's the one who is he's so proud of me too he will give books away to people he'll just like hand them out you've got my wife writes these books I'm gonna bring them out she's gonna sign them for you and he's just like he's my biggest fan who actually doesn't read my books (laughs) he's very supportive of my writing but he doesn't actually read the books because you know he figures he knows how they end anyways (laughs) and uh, I'm fine with it (laughs) I, I'd actually never read a Harlequin novel until um, I've read your books. And, oh, really? Yeah. And I really enjoyed them. They're great. I was you know, up late at night, page turning. So, Will they get together? Yes. Yeah, because you do. You wonder, you think, oh, no, is the horrible mother-in-law going to spoil everything? Or... Oh, no, I think it's over. Yeah. <laughs> And then you get to the last page, you're like, oh, thank goodness. Such a relief. That's my goal. My goal is to make it so that it's such a wild relief for you once they finally are together. You're just like, oh, good. You it know? is. Yeah. It, of course, they're going to be together. But as you're reading it, you forget that. And you think, oh, this could all go wrong. What's going to happen? What if this is the only romance novel where they just throw in the towel? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they say, never mind. Never mind. It was so nice knowing you. <laughs> Let's be friends. <laughs> cry over there (laughs) the end that's right the end the end (laughs) oh my goodness well thank you so much for um doing this interview with us today this is this has been so much fun it has been thank you for having me this was a lot of fun that's it for our show today. Thank you, Chelsea. Thank you, Patty. And of course, as always, thank you, Simone. Thank you. And if you would like to be a special guest or you have any questions, concerns, or any great episode ideas, we would love to hear them. So send them to us at sgplpodcast at yrl.ab.ca. So that's goodbye for me, and we'll see everyone next time. Bye. Bye.